Well, that's our thought. We're going to be breaking it up, and this is the second hour. But and and the thought is that you know we can use what we want from the second hour, somehow. To fill in the first hour. To f- add to the first hour. So you guys are talking about Hummers. So and we also have John Reed Torres in the studio, who you're representing, Ross. Uh, no, I'm not representing John, but I, I I recognize him. We've talked on the phone. I know I've talked with your mother That's about I mean. uh, about your your bike case. Um, why don't since you just walked in, new guest? Why don't we hear from you about your uh, little run in there? Which which from what I remember, haven't talked to you in a while, but I remember talking with your mom about it. It seemed to go fairly well, and that the driver was responsive. But then they backed out, which is not uncommon. So why don't you talk about that? Well. You want, you want to know what? The aftermath or like no, everything that happened? Tell us from the beginning. All once right. upon a time. All right. So once upon a time. <laughs> Last June in um, 11, I was going down Broadway and uh, 43rd. And there's no bike lane. There's a little sign that says bike lane, but there's no real bike lane there. So I'm going probably about 25 miles per hour next to a rapid bus. And the bus stops because he can't fill the other side of the intersection. But I just kept going because, like, I don't have to stop. There's, like, free space. So I just went. And according to the guy who hit me, the driver of the bus gestured for him to take the left turn. Oh. So uh, the minivan took the left turn, and we collided. And I flew over the van and broke his windshield wiper with my face. <laughs> and then flew upside down and hit the pavement with the back of my head and got a concussion. I blacked out for, like, three seconds. Then I got up. Everybody on the bus was looking at me like it was a movie. It was crazy. And then, like, he actually got out and drove me home and left. But it happened right in front of his job, and he was driving a company van. So I was just going to go lay down and, like, sleep it off. I thought that was the right thing to do. And my mom was all panicking and called 911. And then they came, and they were like, oh, you're very lucky. Usually people die from stuff like this. And I was like, all right. (laughs) So... This cop came with like a little green um, cross on his um, badge or whatever, and he got my report, and I gave the description of the guy and everything, and they went back and got his story, and it turned out he didn't have any auto insurance, but his company had insurance. So that's what we dealt with, but I had like a concussion, and I was on crutches for like a month. I couldn't use my left wrist for a month, and that, that was the worst thing because I'm a pianist, and like that was like traumatizing, I guess. And then it turned out all right. Though. Yeah, y- your response to getting hit is is not uncommon. Um, the I'm okay, I'm just gonna bike it off, or you know, we have this weird mentality. I've been hit. Um, most people that have been hit could probably say something similar. That when you go down, you get in this weird superhero. Mentality, You know, your pride's been hurt. You know, you pride yourself on being a, a good cyclist. You know, when if you're an urban cyclist, you kind of figure you can handle, you know, all that the street deals out to us. Uh, but we're, we're just human. Sometimes it's going to happen. So if you go down, don't think, one, you were necessarily at fault, which you may not have been. Um, you got to stay there. And if you're hurt, certainly don't move. Wait till EMTs respond. Uh Sometimes you might have to be your own advocate. You might have to be the one that's looking around for witnesses. You may have had to get out and get that bus's badge number. Even though I'm not saying that the bus caused it, but that person was a witness. He waved the guy. He probably saw most of this. So I think your mom was right on in requiring some follow-up here. Because you probably would have just biked away. You know, you may be a little soreness in your wrist. 
sometimes injuries don't show up till a couple days later. Uh, and if you just biked away thinking, oh, no big deal, I'm really not hurt, you don't have any insurance information, you don't have the driver, you don't have any witness, and you're basically SOL. You don't have anything. So follow up. The tip to you and whoever else is listening, if you go down, um, don't kind of revert into this superhero mode of everything's cool, I'm just going to bike away. Do what you got to do to take care of yourself and you might have some compensation coming to you later on. You don't want to just let that go. And if you got no information, you're going to let it go. Yeah, that's true. Getting back to the medical situation, I've always heard that if you have a concussion, you shouldn't go to sleep or anything. You should actually try to stay as alert as possible. Uh, I'm thinking if you were tired, that's one thing. But uh, something about if you have like a, you know, you, you totally have a blackout. You, they want to make sure you don't have another blackout, and this time it's almost like a, a, comparing it to a computer systems failure. And in this case, it's your life. So you, you want to avoid that. So you want to always uh, be responsive to the fact that you're alert enough to stay awake. I, I used to remember it was like six, four to six hours. If you, if you pass that, then you're okay to basically go about your, your business or something. But something like that, if you go to bed... You know, there's all these cases about people waking up and they go, oh, he just had a mild contusion, but now he's dead because nobody looked in on him or something like that. I think the long and short of it, and I'm not a doctor, uh, medical advice is beyond my pay grade and my expertise, Um, but get the medical treatment you need. If you're feeling hurt, wait there. Call 911. Wait for the ambulance to show up. Don't, like we talked about just before uh, you walked in on the last segment, don't deny that ambulance if it's being called and looks like someone has called one because they think you need one. Like you're lying there in the middle of the street and you got blood all over the place. You don't need to get up and say, oh, you know, everything's cool. I'm just going to walk away. Um, so I, I don't know about a concussion, but I do know that sometimes latent injuries take a while yeah. uh, just by their nature of it being latent. It takes a while to show up. So get the medical treatment you need, um, not only for yourself, which you don't want to be straddled by a bike injury 20 or 30 years down the road. You don't want to wake up when you're 50, 60, 70 years old with that bad back, with those bad knees, with that bad wrist saying, oh, you know, this is from that bike crash 30 years ago. I still can't walk right. Get the medical attention you need for yourself, as well as if, you know, if there's a legal case, hopefully you'll be getting that back and hopefully you have medical insurance to cover that. Oh, yeah. Um, what they, I went to one doctor and they did x-rays and they said, oh, nothing's fractured. Um, ended up going to another one. Uh, he did some x-rays in a different way from different angles and came up with the uh, fifth vertebrae is actually cracked and pressed down on the cartilage, which is pressing down on my sciatic nerve. And that's causing pain all the way down from like the center back, all the way down the back of my leg. Um, one thing I want people to understand is this is not um, typical bike riding days. Um, get out there and ride your bikes. Uh, I mean, I've ridden for some, what, 30 some odd years and this is my first collision. Um, biking is actually cool and safe. Um, do it. Yeah, I, I think that's right. As as an, an attorney who focuses on this, and Ted Rogers, who has a blog devoted to all the 
calamities that happen out there on, on the road, it might make um, it seem to people that, that don't bike, or even to those that do, that this is a, a dangerous thing that we're engaging in here on a daily basis. And I get that. When I pull up to my office with my helmet, people look at me like I'm some sort of alien that I bike to work. Uh, which is really a strange mentality. Uh, but of all the miles logged by all the cyclists all over the city, county, world, um, I, I've read all sorts of statistics. But you know, you, you're probably—I I think you stand statistically a greater chance of falling in your shower and breaking your neck than you do of getting hit on the road. So yeah, I, I hope this doesn't scare people. It's a reality that you should be thinking of in the back of your your mind, and always being vigilant and riding appropriately and responsibly is key. But let's not scare people off and think that this is too dangerous to be doing. Right. You know, I also think that we're kind of at this inflection point where there's not so many cyclists on the road in most areas in Southern California today, but those numbers are increasing. And as they increase, the visibility increases. And then I think the incidence of collisions is going to go down as, as cycling for utility and for recreation gets more popular. We're actually going to see a decrease. Yeah, I, I think that's right. I think with, with education and awareness and maybe our government will chime in and, and help us out with some bike infrastructure, making it a little more um, friendly, making it a little more user-friendly for those new cyclists to make that step. Uh, my wife doesn't like biking on city streets. She does it. We drop our kids off to school on bike, and she picks them up. Uh, she doesn't like getting honked at. She feels uncomfortable taking the lane like we talked about. So for someone like her who's protective of their kids, they might think this is just too dangerous to do. Uh, but you're right. As the more people get on the road, car drivers become a little more familiar about driving with bikes, sharing the road. Um, so, yeah, I think the more people do it, I, I think it's only going to get better, unlike what some of the statistics for July foretell is that it might be getting worse. I, I think the more and more people that do it, I think we're looking to a better future rather than a more grim future. And then we've got somebody like Alan here who, uh, who got doored. And this is that, that's the kind of a collision that's as more cyclists get on the road in our southern, on our Southern California roads, the incidence of that kind of collision may increase unless we can get some of the more improved facilities like um, Santa Monica has installed uh, bike lanes, that they're still half in the door zone, unfortunately, but there is a dotted line down the center of the bike lane to indicate where the door zone is. Sure, buffered bike lanes, putting a little buffer in between either the traffic or uh, the parked cars, or maybe some of you have seen the videos of what New York has done, which is move the parking lane a couple feet out from the curb and put the bike lane there. Of course, that's got problems. You've got you still got a dooring issue because you've got the passenger doors, and also what do you do at intersections with right-hand turning vehicles? Uh, but there, are, you know, we're sort of experimenting here. Bikes have been around for a long, long time, so you wouldn't think we'd still be in the experimental phase as far as biking infrastructure goes. But I think. Um, sort of our, our car culture has has taken us away from thinking about roads and, and traffic as being anything other than moving as many cars as fast as possible. So we've taken, um, we, we've, we've put bike infrastructure on the back burner. I think if we move that to the, the front burner, I think we'd see all sorts of wonderful benefits, decreased pollution, decreased traffic, healthier people, healthier kids. I mean, there's just a whole host of benefits that we really should be moving, and it's, it's kind of funny that this is really an uphill battle uh, as far as bike advocacy goes to get people to say, hey, this really isn't a bad thing, and this might actually be a good thing. You, you, you talked for a minute about how the police are, are being uh, re-educated in this sense. Uh, let's, let's just go to the drivers, too. Uh, and I, I bring this up with um, 
kind of a it's kind of one of these uh, tongue-in-cheek moments uh the triple a had an issue um of westways which is their monthly issue and it was all devoted to bicycles and in there they had a little blurb about how to learn how to ride a bike or or something and and something of that sort with cycle and so you, you think it's just like a passing thing whatever Cycle has been inundated. Last month, they taught a record number of classes and continue. They, they usually have like, well, if we need 10 people in a class, we'll have another class, maybe have two, three extra classes. They have had classes every week from what Dan tells me. And Dan was a little uh, kind of concerned because uh, we, we remember that AAA was one of the, the people that uh, were – Oh, not not directly opposed to, but they were definitely lobbying against the free foot, the, the three feet, uh, giving three feet to to bicyclists because they saw it like the NRA an infringement. You know, you have one ruling. My God, this will open the doorway to to a, a floodgate of things. But I happen to believe that education on on both ends uh, can be improved. What, what's your uh, take on that, Ross? Yeah, uh, driver education is key. Um, I. I, I I think we could reduce so much of our uh, negative interactions on the road that happen out there between cyclists and drivers if we educate everybody. Um, cyclists could use uh, just as much. I'm not, uh, I'm not taking cyclists out of this equation, but just to answer your question, um, just because more people are driving uh, on those roads than are cycling. So driver education is 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 so important so how do we do that you know things like jim brown who talked earlier on the show about the three foot law um you know that really has issues when it comes to enforcement how often are uh, cops going to cite people for violating a three foot law i think what the benefit of a three foot law has though however is is this huge education component if we can start a a campaign uh, just like what we did here in L.A. with when Mayor Villaraigosa got behind, uh, you know, the cycling, the, the the safety campaign that that LACBC and uh, you know Wolfpack Hustle and some other designers were involved in, they put those all over the city. Those you know, give us three feet for safety. Um, so that's really and the same thing with the anti-harassment law that L.A. Uh, passed recently, went into effect back in September. Um, since September, I've gotten a number of calls on that. Not a lot, but I've gotten a, a few. It has not been something that I've seen a single case filed yet. So those uh, predictions of this is just going to open the floodgates to our courthouse and cause all sorts of litigation just really hasn't panned out. But really the benefit of a law like that, yes, it does provide cyclists a private right of action where our criminal laws can't be enforced by our law enforcement. Um, it does allow a cyclist to pursue civil remedies for that criminal behavior. But really, I think it, it's, its huge benefit is the education that it can bring if people start to talk about it, if people start to know about it, that, hey, you can't harass cyclists. You can't throw stuff at them. They're vulnerable. You throw a water bottle at a cyclist, they don't see that pothole because they were trying to avoid your water bottle. They go down. They're in traffic. They're run over. They're dead. And it may, it may take a couple of uh, high-profile cases like the Mandeville Canyon uh, collision. You know, some, It may take a couple of high-profile free-feet harassment cases to bring it to the public attention. Yeah, unfortunately, those negative things, that's the way our, our media works, is they focus on the negative and sometimes our legislatures glom onto that. And then that is sometimes how we make change. Um, I, unfortunately, I don't think we're going to get changed by just saying biking is good for you. It's good for the world. Um, you, it's going to take the press conferences after those horrific accidents like we had in uh, Culver City on the K-Town ride when um, a, a driver late at night coming home 
um, had some drinks, apparently, the preliminary hearing revealed, um, and ran through a, a pack of riders. So 11 people were sent to the hospital with significant, significant injuries. Uh, but out of that came some bike community industry, um, unity, um, some press releases, and it's going to take things like that, unfortunately, to move the media, to move the legislatures, to make laws that prevent that, which is sad. Well, Go ahead, James. Well, that, um, the driver in Culver City, she actually uh, failed to appear at her last uh, hearing. Well, she, she did fail to appear, and there was a bench warrant hold issued, which means um, something happened. Most likely her attorney did communicate with the court, so I don't want to misrepresent um, that she just didn't appear, and it was uh, some sort of failure on her part to not partake in the criminal proceeding. I don't know that, but I do know that the bench warrant hold was issued, and another date was set. That date is August 16th in Department 100 in, in downtown, so it was continued for another date. That, that was such a, a strange thing, too. Just uh, we, we talk about perceptions that the police have. Uh, at one point, the, the police were, were feeding the media things like, well, the bikers were having a party. Well, there were condoms involved. Well, there was all these things that were ir- irrelevant to the fact that this woman was texting and, and writing it down. What were uh, some of the things that they didn't center on? And in fact... Um, I myself went back out and looked at the site uh, on, a, on a weekend night with nobody around, just me without all the paparazzi and stuff, and looked at things that, that really did concern uh, street conditions. Uh, I also looked at uh, how the lighting was there or the lack of it. Uh, I think there was two working lights, and one of them was on the other side of the street at least 100 feet down. And on this side of the street, it was, it was lighting the entrance to the park, but that was it. And people were saying, well, you could see blinkies at this certain amount of thing. And I'm saying, what, if, you, if you can't see anything on a darkened street, uh, you know, obviously there's the, the fact that you're impaired in texting. That's one thing. But if you can't even see the street, let alone people on the street, that, that might not be her fault totally. And this is not to, to pull, make sides or, or get calls saying, chicken leather, what are you doing going against the bike community? No, I'm trying to be like the balanced kind of uh, voice here and, and, and say, you know, it's not, it's not any one fault, but there are certain things. Obviously, I'm not the first one to say this. Well, th- that reporting was horrible. Uh, yeah, uh, well, and, and we made a big deal of it here on, on yeah. Bike Talk. Yeah, no surprise the, 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 the major media was looking for the story being... Um, you know, drunk hooligans out there on the city streets uh, looking for trouble, when in reality it w- wasn't quite that. Um, you know, young kids out there riding around the city because it's safer at night than it is during the day. They're out, they're getting exercise, they're riding around, they're communing with their friends. Um, they were happened to be at this lookout, which has a great view of the city, which, you know, a lot of people go to during the day, and some people do at night, I'm sure. But just because they were young kids, particularly of... Uh, Maybe the media picked up that they were a particular um, ethnicity, and they found a, a condom out there, which who knows when that condom was put there. I mean, that, that was just deplorable report. How many condoms do you have in your pocket there, Ross? Uh, well, you, you don't want to for talk personal about reasons. It, right? We don't need to get into yeah. that. Okay, but, okay. <laughs> um, but no, the, 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 we talked about bias. We talked about bias being uh, as, as far as officers. The media has a, a similar bias, but the media is just look. They're they're doing they're out there doing a job. They're out there to make things look sensational. They're out there to give the people what they think they want to hear. And if they want to hear that a bunch of people are out there drinking and smoking and doing whatever, and uh, you know victimized car driver 
uh, runs over a whole bunch of them, then you know that's going to shape their story, which is unfortunate. It, when it uh, bleeds, it leads, is the old uh, you know hack, hackneyed saying. But you know, just you know, where the where the mainstream media fell down on that story, and where the police reporting you know famously fell down at the at the time of collision, the a bike blogging community came in, filled the vacuum, went out there, did some uh, lighting and visibility tests. They they kept it in the, in the you know to the public attention. Streets blog in particular was really dogged, you know, re- reporting every turn and. So I think you know we see where the where the media hasn't really been responsive to bike concerns and where the police has been a little slow in getting up to speed, the bike blogging community has definitely been out front, uh, highlighting the biases. You mentioned Stephen Box; he's done a, a great job of that. Streets blog just kind of keeps an eye on everything and particular stories. They really keep them in the forefront. And uh, you know bloggers like uh, Gary Cavanaugh, who are also on the scene talking about the policy. Uh, if we weren't out there talking about it, you know, we'd still have cyclists, uh, even a, a group of cyclists in Culver City, getting getting uh, creamed by a motorist, and then it would just be like a turn of the newspaper page, and and then that's it. Yeah, it really is up to us, which is unfortunate in a sad state of affairs that it's up to us here without funding, without the backing of corporate sponsors that are having to push this this, this notion that we, we know makes sense for the future of where we're going, that petroleum that we're putting in our cars isn't going to last forever. We're going to need some of that someday, yet we put it in our vehicles just to get us from point A to point B when there are plenty of other alternatives to get there. We could walk, we could ride, we could take public transport, but we're not doing that. So it's up to us grassroots people to get out there and start banging the horn until, I guess, major media uh, and our legislatures really realize the benefits that can happen because of this. Look, my last trip with my family was to Portland. We went there because it's a bikey city and we wanted to bike around and we did. We rented yeah. some bikes. We biked all over that place bike. with with my kids in the street. Yeah, you never heard that word? Bikey. It's a bikey city. My next trip, I want to go to Copenhagen because I've heard the bike infrastructure there is wonderful. So I am spending my tourist dollars in cities that are accommodating me in that way because that's how I want to get around. I don't want to go rent a car when yeah. I go to another city. I want to be in the city. I want to be biking around the city, seeing the other residents, how they get around, and, and biking is one way to do it. So if we made L.A. that biking place, and maybe with Bike Nation, maybe with the bike share that's coming here to, to L.A., we're, we're slowly going to change that mentality. Um, maybe we'll bring tourist dollars to L.A. Why not? We've got great weather. It's sunny 362 days of the year it's relatively flat and if you want hills we got hills you can go climb those hills this is a great place for biking it's strange that it's not more bike friendly you, you know i'm in beverly hills right and i i'm always talking to policymakers there about you know the, the upside that we're not realizing uh, uh, uh attracting cyclists uh, to town uh like portland inviting them to our kind of uh, commercial districts many of which are underperforming we have a lot of tourists uh, virtually none of whom come on a bicycle, and yet you know they, they clog up our streets with rental cars and everything else. And so I'm always talking to them about the upside, yet we had a small business task force meet, look at these underperforming uh, business districts, and decide that what we need is more parking structures. There was, there was absolutely no awareness that, that we can generate foot traffic, which is really what the issue was. We can generate foot traffic without generating the vehicular traffic. But that's because uh, folks there... They haven't really been exposed, you know, this kind of this progressive wave of cycling that is exemplified by Portland, you mentioned. That hasn't reached Beverly Hills. You know, in some ways, in that city, we're very, um, uh, we have a, we're really thick-skulled about uh, things that might work that are anything but kind of conservative, old-school uh, 
tactics. Yeah, we had that same problem in Glendale. Uh, our local regional LACBC chapter walked by Glendale. We, uh, as one of our campaigns, we proposed a road diet, which is uh, putting in a bike lane and a center turn lane and taking away a traffic lane, which is a <clears throat> excuse me a terrible word. Uh, Roadblock, who I'm sure you all know, hates the term, uh, rightfully so, road diet. He says, let's call it a road buffet, which is really what you're doing. You're opening it up to more people. Uh, but nobody likes to go on a diet, so it's a silly word. Ro- but road smorgasbord, if road you want to get to that Swedish kind of uh, Denmarkian kind of thing. Anything. Just that, well, there's, there's an inherent bias creeping in there that we call it a road diet. I mean... Who voluntarily is going to want to go on a diet? That's not something we want to do. Anyway, in Glendale, we proposed putting in a bike lane and taking out a traffic lane uh, for this one little stretch up in on Honolulu in uh, Montrose, uh, in between a Trader Joe's and some residential neighborhoods to get some people biking. And there was a lot of community support for it. However, there was a very vocal minority that spoke up against, spoke out against it. And essentially it got shut down because the city council said, well, maybe this isn't the best thing to do. Maybe not here. Um, so small change got you know, shut down by the city council. So, yeah, it really is an uphill battle. Yeah, and if you scale that up, you know, we have a city council in Glendale or Beverly Hills or anywhere. It's very responsive to local concerns. They, they have an ear to the business community, the you know, so-called small business owners. Uh, there are influential people in the community, especially in Beverly Hills, that they tend to listen to. When you scale that up uh, to, like, legislature size in Sacramento, all of a sudden, it's not very local, but you have these other actors coming in, like Chicken Leather mentioned, uh, the Auto Club, you know, of California, Southern California. You know, they have not been a friend to cyclists. I think there are some indications that maybe they're starting to recognize they at least need to look more friendly to cyclists. So that now they have um, uh, maybe an advisory in Westways Magazine, what motorists need to do, what cyclists need to do. Well, they might be also feeling some competition from Better World Cycling, uh, Better World... Whatever. Better World Insurance, whatever it is, is now offering not only bike insurance, but they offer very competitive auto packages as well. So maybe they're feeling a little pressure. Hey, we better start toning down our anti-bike rhetoric and maybe just take a neutral stance, perhaps. I I think that's part of it. Also, uh, Don was telling me that the League of American Cyclists has been talking as a lobbyist group to them, too. So it it might be... Um, some sort of liaison for 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 some other reason too, and uh, somebody was telling me it's an election year, so yeah, maybe I, they've I don't seen know if that light. has something to do with it. Yeah, I think the lesson here is that you know bike uh, bike advocates and uh, just people who like to cycle, you know, when we look at these kind of issues and we look at the impact that lobbyists like Auto Club can have, you know, it really means kind of digging down into the weeds, you know, looking at the uh, looking at candidates uh, the the campaign finance statements and we can get an idea of who's influencing the issues and unfortunately when we talk about Sacramento and the legislature in Sacramento you know that's what we have to do we have to look at the big power players one of which is the auto club I think as as local advocates I, I work in a town of 35,000 but uh, we're very affected by Sacramento legislation obviously so it's a ball we have to move not only locally with our city council but it's a ball we have to move up in Sacramento just like Jim Brown was talking about yeah, um, so uh, we've got three guys here that are um, probably wanting to talk about their bike crashes, or maybe we should talk about to our audience more about bike crashes. Um, I'm happy to answer any questions that, that these folks have, or anyone. 
You want me to call out the number? You want me to play play DJ or host, MC? Yeah, sure. Yeah, Kill Radio's phone number. They're holding it up to me now. Call in if you got any questions. 213. I always get it wrong, Ross. Go ahead. All right. 213-252-0998. Let me say it again. 213-252-0998. Uh, no legal advice will be given, uh, but general advice on safety, on what you should be thinking about, on, look, we're, we're, we're here to help you. We're here to disseminate information. So the extent that the people in this room can help you get information, then call in. Ross, there's no Hippocratic Oath within the, uh, the lawyering business or the legal field, but there, there used to be... No, but there, there is the golden rule that I think we should all observe, right, which is do yeah. unto others that... Uh, is that included in lawyers? I thought it was due on to <laughs> lawyers as long as it doesn't ruin my bottom line or something. Oh, and, I, and, I, and, right, and gets me uh, you know, some good billing rights. Well, here, but, right? but, but see, that's, that's the perception a lot of people say. It's like everybody's out to make a buck off of you or something like that. It, it, is there really like – I remember when I was growing up, and I sound like I'm really old, but there used to be like you know, legal aid, you know, kind of like there was a legal kind of – uh, uh, almost like a legal bike kitchen, a legal kitchen that you could go to. And if you if you had a disagreement about, say something like, oh, I, I've, you know, I was overdrawn on this. You know, what do I? What, any kind of subject they used to be able to affect and say, should I need a lawyer? Do I really need a lawyer to talk to the IRS or there? Vice there versa? are low or no cost public uh, legal groups out there that you can go talk to for either free legal advice or low cost legal advice or even referrals. LA County Bar yeah. has uh, you know r- referrals. You can call up there and say, look, I've got this issue, whether it's an employment issue or a, uh, a personal injury, and they, have, they will be able to refer you to someone uh, that specializes in that area of law. But you raise a good point is, is, is one of the ways I got into the bike um, advocacy bike lawyering is there was a need out there that, that cyclists were having trouble getting representation because biking cases, let's face it, aren't the hugest dollar value cases unless you have the catastrophic injury. In that case, any lawyer would be happy to jump on it. But a lot of bike cases are small. You know, how much is your property damage? Let's say the guy was riding or the woman was riding a very nice bike that could be between five and ten thousand dollars. Uh, and there wasn't major injuries, then you know you're looking at a relatively small dollar value case, and a lot of attorneys, they they can't afford to take those cases. No, not necessarily any fault to their own, but they've got rent to pay, they've got staff, and they've got overhead. So it isn't always in a personal injury's best interest to take a smaller dollar value case. Maybe there's something going on outside I, here. I had too much look? cheese this morning for breakfast. That's me. So, Ross, I think your instinct I'm going right to go investigate that. Make sure we don't have to evacuate the building. guys in the, in the mix here. What, maybe you could... Uh, is there anything else that you could uh, tell them about what to do in their particular cases? Or, you know, can you give free legal advice? Is there something about that you can't do? Well, legal advice is case-specific, so it really depends on the facts of any particular collision. Uh, what was said, where was it, um, where were the, the actors placed. So specific legal advice isn't um, worth all that much. But where we started this to maybe come full circle is you know, what to do when you get in a collision. And there's plenty of information out there on what to do. Um, first off, ride defensively. Ride, a, ride assertively, be in the right place, control that lane if you have to. Don't put yourself in the position of 
getting in a collision, first of all. That's first and foremost. And if you need to take some uh, bike education classes, there's great classes out there. Some of them, I, I think, are even free, put on by various cities throughout uh, the county. Take but, some of those. They'll train you. They'll get you some good tips on how to ride safely so, in the city. But, uh, but, but let's also get into how you know it's society's fault. Guys, do you feel it was society's fault? Well, um, I think most drivers out there don't expect to run into bicyclists. They they only expect to watch out for not crashing into other cars and stuff like that. And I mean, like, what you were saying about Glendale, them shooting down the bike lane proposal. I mean, bike lanes are, I think, not only they pr provide a safe spot, the buffered ones outside of the, the door zone, right, right. that they give drivers the, ment um, the mentality that they will have to look out for bikes more often than they had before instead of just other cars. Like I was reading in New York, like you were saying, they put in the um, bike lanes, I think, on 300 miles worth of their streets. Yeah. New York has made huge strides. And if you're not really in the bike community, you wouldn't know that bike. That New York has just become a, a super uh, bike-friendly place. They still have their problems out there, uh, but they've really made strides. They've got a great... Uh, uh, they've got some support from Mayor Bloomberg. They've got Janice Sadekan, who's the, the Department of Transportation uh, chief over there. And there's top-down support for bike infrastructure, and it's really made a difference. I haven't been to New York in a while, but I'd imagine there's a lot more bikes on the road than there were when I was living there back in the 90s, and I was biking back and forth to work, and I was the only one. <laughs> yeah, they said, um, I think they said Ninth Avenue. Since they put in the bike lane, um, traffic-related deaths dropped, dropped by 50%. And bike-related injuries dropped by 57 percent. Yeah, that, that's great. Um, so going back to uh, uh, let's blame society. Is that where you want to go? You want to yeah, be yeah. sensationalist and? Well, I, uh, say, like, <laughs> I just want to say that you know the only thing that we're taking from this is that we need to change what we're doing, because I mean you can't. Ju well, you you do need to ask that of people, but at the same time, it it you shouldn't have to be an expert to not get creamed. No, that's right. We, we need to be making those streets safe for uh, new cyclists, not the experienced hardcore roadies. We need to be making it so moms can get out there with their, with their sons and daughters and dads can take their kids to school by bike. And maybe elderly folks who want to go to the market instead of taking the shuttle bus at their elderly home, making it safe for them is really the key. Because until we get that critical mass of everyday people, not just sort of us kind of you know, hardcore people that are, you know, willing to kind of put ourselves on the road. Well, okay, so, but the, uh, these guys here, James and Alan, they are, kind of, would you describe yourself as kind of, if anybody's hardcore type of people? <laughs> yeah, you raise your hand, Alan. Oh, yeah. Give him a mic. Can oh, you yeah. Tell, tell us about your, uh, your relative bike habits to the general population. Like, are you more of a hardcore bike person? Oh, yeah, I... Definitely, I'm, I guess I'm I'm an amateur racer. That's um, I'm usually the one in full lycra with the mm -hmm. full carbon fiber bike. You know that's that's me training. You know, 200 miles, you know, per week. So um, definitely. <laughs> Sorry, we got a call, but it, but it's kind of an okay. Fine, just tell him this. Tell him tell him to pitch his. Hold on. Is this Armand? Oh. There you go, Armand. Armand. Yes. So you opened a new bike shop? Yes, I have. It's not really a shop. It's more of a um, mobile service, and I kind of work out of my garage for right now. But I'm planning on later on 
moving into a shop. Oh. All right. Well, well, tell us what it's called and where it is, and we'll and we'll try to support it. Okay. Well, it's called Bicycle Pit Stop, and it's located in Glendale, California. And uh, that's pretty much it. <laughs> okay. I'll, I'll say I've I've looked you up, Armon, because I, I live in Glendale, and for anyone, uh, he the guy's got great reviews on Yelp. So look up uh, Bicycle Pit Shop. I think um, I'm planning it's on Pit Stop. Pit stop. I'm, I'm planning on giving you a call. So, uh, um, what's All that? Right. Yeah, he's online. I, th good. I think he's a mobile. He'll come to you yeah. and fix your stuff. Oh, he's, you can't go there? Or? I ask him. I don't know. So, um, do you have yeah, an address? I mean, there's a service from, sorry? Do you have an address? Do I have an address? Yes, I do have an address. It should be on my website. All right, then. Thank you very much. Uh, you're welcome. <laughs> Hold on. That's it. <laughs> hey, this is chicken leather. Weren't you at the at the Pasadena thing with the mayor driving around on some like insanely cool bike with your dad? Wasn't that uh, you? Uh, no. No. Okay. I did go on the ride with the mayor, but uh, yeah. That that I wasn't was a cool bike you were riding, huh? <laughs> no, I have a downhill bike, but that's a different story. Okay. All right. Well, we'll we're going to continue this conversation in a minute. He's somebody who's to for a long All right. We, we want to talk to you for longer than five minutes. We're actually in the middle of talking about bike safety and, and things. Do you bike feel safe safety. riding around? All right. Sorry, what? do I feel safe riding around? Yeah. Uh, depends where it is. I mean, in Glendale, it's not that great. But in La Crescenta, it's a lot better. I mean, drivers kind of... Watch out for you, and they care more about the riders. There's huh. bike lanes, and everybody respects that, so it's pretty sweet. But in Glendale, it's kind of scary because nobody really cares. Well, that, um, sorry. No, that, that's a great candid answer. Just putting you on the spot there. Well, I mean, that's how it is. I can't. I understand. Yeah, Glendale is the safest uh, city of all, but. Um, unfortunately for riders it's not just because of the drivers they have yeah we were talking I, mean, I think everywhere it's like that but really we were talking earlier that Pasadena um, is I mean um, Glendale is undergoing a change by by having some um, road restructuring where they're they're doing what they call a road diet with all uh, make it easier for bike riders to get through, but uh, maybe impair the driver just a little bit, uh, making him either uh, turn or stop. Know. Wearing a helmet, wearing no helmet, having lights, having no lights, I don't think it really matters. <laughs> okay, well... Um, yeah? Well, well, thanks, Armin. We'll, we'll get back to you more about your, your shop in the future, but thanks for your little input about safety here. Cool. Um... All right. There's one thing I'm not really home right now. I'm I'm kind of out of the country, but I'll be back soon. Oh, okay. So we won't call you until you get back in the country, okay? But um, I mean, right now is like kind of my free time, so I guess I can we can talk right now after whatever you guys finish your conversation over there about safety and. Okay, Armin. I mean, if that's right with you guys. Yeah, that sounds great. Okay, I'm gonna give you back to Nick. And that, and that was Armin with the the bike uh, 
Bike pit stop, I bike, think. Bike pit stop. That's, that's right, Ross. Right. You're going to be the next uh, interviewewee here. Well, I mean. Armin raises a good point about uh, Glendale, is that uh, I, I live in Glendale. I've moved there recently, and there is a perception that it's uh, perhaps not the safest place to be walking or biking. Uh, but, you know, there's changes, changes afoot. So people like Armin and uh, other people that want to bike in Glendale, because Glendale's a great place to be biking. It's a relatively small city, uh, relatively flat once you get out of the hills, and a lot of things are close together. Um, I live yeah. uh, maybe a mile from Whole Foods. I can bike there instead of getting in my car. And what LACBC, through their regional push, is uh, we started a local regional bike coalition in Glendale called Walk Bike Glendale. And uh, we've got quite a few people that are interested in making a change in Glendale. And we go to city council meetings and we're advocating for bike change and we want to get a bike plan passed. And um, bike adverts, uh, a BAC, which they have out in L.A. and they're sort of trying to duplicate that in Glendale. Um, bike coalition, he means, but yeah. B- BAC. Well, Bicycle Advisory Committee oh. to advise the city council on implementing and getting this bike plan done so they can get their money to put in the bike infrastructure. But Glendale's been making a lot of changes as far as bike infrastructure goes. Just on the way uh, to my kid's school, they now have um, some complete street uh, renovation going on, which is great to slow traffic down, especially around schools. Uh, but people do travel fast in Glendale uh, for some reason, and... There's got to be a push. It's got to come from above, I think, from our legislatures to, uh, to, to bring that down and say, look, let's travel slowly on these residential streets because there's no reason to be traveling 3540 on small residential streets. I, I know that Black Woman Sidekick was uh, sort of house-sitting over there. This is another local DJ. And we, we had to go through Glendale. And it wasn't like Escape from New York or Escape from L.A., you know, a John Carpenter film where you had to get out of Glendale. It was nice. I, I people, find it a very pleasant were place. hanging out there at the Americana and stuff. But it all seemed to be more, if you didn't know how to have a car or a ticket to park your car, they, they just looked at you like, well, where do you want to put your bike? And I go, don't you have a bike rack or something? And they go, bike rack? You know, all these things are like, yeah. you know, we were like from Mars or something because we rode our bikes and we weren't winded and everything was fine. And we didn't need drinks right away or a movie or anything. We just wanted to do, enjoy Glendale, which is really a, a kind of a foreign kind of kind of thing there. But on the on the road diet, we noticed that some of the the smaller, uh, let's say, streets within um, the Verdugo kind of brand kind of corridor there had been road blo- uh, the road diet, and we were amazed. Yeah, they, they, surprisingly, there are sharrows yeah. in Glendale. There yeah. are uh, light trigger um, to trip the lights when you're a cyclist. You can't always make the light turn from red to green. They, they're putting those. So there are there are changes afoot in Glendale. So it could be a very different place soon. Maybe not soon, but a couple yeah. years. I didn't know you you were involved in that. That's interesting. Yes, the bike. Yeah. Glendale. But I, I would like to hear these guys talk about anything uh, for a minute. Like, guys, you're hardcore bikers. I, I missed the answer because I was talking to Armando uh, on the phone. Actually, right now I'm getting a lot, a lot of new information. I've been out there for years and never even heard of any of this. Um, I've put in quite a few miles on my bike. Um, so you're finding what Ross is saying and what we're talking about, you're finding it pretty... Oh, yeah. Pretty um, new? Type this Glendale thing, I've never really ridden in Glendale, but it doesn't sound like a place I really want to go to ride. <laughs> For real. Um, no. I've, 
I usually go up there to the, like the Glendale Galleria or American on brand or whatever. Uh, but I drive up there. Uh, a lot of people. A lot of people ride in Glendale. A lot more people ride through Glendale, yeah. uh, either from Pasadena or from places out east. Uh, Glendale has a lot of recreational cyclists uh, on the weekends because there's a lot of hills and the roadies like the hills. Uh, but there's a lot of people just like me, utility commuter cyclists that are are biking around, and um, we're trying to get a little more visibility for us so we don't feel. Um, as threatened as, say, my wife does, who just biking uh, a, a mile from my kid's school to home gets honked at uh, a number of times and, and gets that uncomfortable feeling of I'm putting myself in danger by biking on the road. So it, right. it's really it's that hurdle we have to overcome. Yeah. Um, well, Glendale doesn't seem, from what I've seen, to be that friendly toward uh, cyclists. They're, you know, I go down like Colorado to Glendale, to the Glendale Galleria, and right in there, I mean just driving the cars past super close yeah that's a very tight and street right there yeah, yeah um that's pretty much all i've seen of glendale um it's just way too fast traffic's just way too fast and too close for me well log on to walkbikeglendale.org and get involved and uh maybe we can get some more people coming out to our city council and uh getting some changes there that are needed because i agree with you people do travel fast um, and they travel close, but I think that's an awareness issue. I think we need to get the people that live there and drive through Glendale to recognize that, look, bikes are legitimate, they're, they belong here, and be careful around them. Without, without getting into a, a racist bent on this, uh, somebody was telling me that culturally it might be something different, and, and I'm not saying that it's you know riding while black or anything like that, but somebody was telling me that it just just the the fact that um, Ar- Armenians are are usually used to doing, um, and this is not to now I can see the phone lines lighting up on this, but it, but is it is it a is it a social thing with uh, you know if you're in a car doing five other things or something that you're you're not going to see the bicyclist there or is it just the fact that it's speed. Is it the speed factor, or is it the fact that you're you're, okay? Can you explain the Armenian thing? Well, okay. What what I was saying is there 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 was uh, some sort of thing that said um, um, that it it might be uh, cultural, and I said that's that's something I'm not going to entertain. John has a statistic. John has a t- statistic. Go ahead. John. We, we don't have a source, so this is unsourced kind of thing. This is how rumors get started, you know. This, you know, a, a professor at his university had had voiced this opinion um, that that it was that. That's why we were skipping it, but we weren't going to mention it. But it seems so so uh, ironic here, incidental. Uh, yeah, more, this is this is one of those things that I think somebody is is just keeping track of, so that when the race riots break out, this will be one more reason to shoot somebody, and have an excuse, <laughs> because that's what it's coming down to: us against the the, the planet of the apes, right? Maybe to bring it back uh, to to your speed question is I see a lot of young kids driving fast cars in Glendale. I do too. I think we see them all over the place, but I bike in Glendale, and so that's where I spend most of my time. So I see a lot of young kids driving fast cars. Uh, so maybe it's a speed, maybe it's an awareness. You know, if they're a young kid, maybe they're social, maybe they're very tech friendly, and they've got that phone in their lap and they're texting, right? Which is a terrible thing. I mean, how many of us, when we pull up to the red light, take a look over at the driver next to you, and that person sitting there texting? 
something, you know, on their lap. They know they're doing something wrong. They know they shouldn't be doing it. Oh, but they, they're doing they tried it to hide the phone. I always love when they're trying to hide the phone, but they've got the phone. You know, it's in their lap because they're always staring at their lap. Yeah. Now they could be staring at something else down there, but I'm, I'm assuming they're staring at the phone because then they pick it up. You know, technology's and, great, but that has the potential yeah. to kill somebody. So, if you take your eyes off the road because you're texting, you can kill someone. I mean, so it's cult- culturally technology wise i think we have to solve this we could solve it with technology i know that there's bluetooth and there's other things but it's been proven and shown uh, by studies that you're distracted and i think that's the big thing if you're going to drive somewhere it should be driving it shouldn't be distraction i know myself got rid of and, and people look at me going why there's no car stereo why is there no anything in this car it's just you and a key in the car and i go because i want to pay attention to the road i'm really impaired as it is i got a million things on my mind. I'm we usually must just, just hate ride. being in our vehicles so yeah. much that yeah. we need a radio we need a phone exactly we need all of this stuff because it's such a horrible mode of transportation it is it's just a box so ha- having said this i love getting on on metro and interacting with people and even if they're all wearing little headphones and stuff it's the idea that you have to smile at people or see kids being crazy you know these are kids that aren't going to get killed go ahead james try driving around at night and watching all these cars with this blue glow on the driver's face oh exactly exactly all right well now 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 that i've ruined it for everybody um I know we're supposed to do the calendar in the last 10 minutes, but I, well, actually I do. Uh, Streets Blog is doing a couple of things. As you answer that phone, we just want to mention the next Thursday, along with uh, Streets Blog doing um, their, their civic duty on their calendar and listing a number of things, including Green LA tonight and uh, tomorrow uh, another, another ride. Next Thursday is a big benefit. We want everybody to come out at the Flying Pigeon for uh, Shay, who used to be with Cycle. Um, she's had some medical, uh, I guess it's bills or issues or something. Anyway, she we're going to always be with we're, Shay. We're, we're going to come out and support you. And, and even chicken leather, I'm going to go through the old uh, uh, archives and see if I can't dig out some things that are comical, but not embarrassing, which, which might be good because. So what is that next Thursday? The next Thursday, the next is Thursday. It means it, that means I'm going to get my two VCRs together. And Why don't start you tell people where that is so they know? Uh, 37. Oh, oh, they moved. 3404 um, North Figueroa. That's 34th and Figueroa. Uh, gold Line close on the Heritage Square stop. That's the second stop off the Gold Line if you're going north. And what's going to be a fun night? There can be food and uh, partying going on. Thunder, and f- wonder. Film going on. You, Rod, so you're asking me like you've never been to one of my events. No, well, it's I'm, not I'm, my I'm event. I'm thinking it's their of our, event. our radio audience here. That's who I'm thinking. <laughs> well, it's funny for. because I also bumped into the, the woman from um, um, Streets Blog who was out there last week at the, at the bike oven. Uh, apparently, there's somebody in South Central Los Angeles, and we're not supposed to say this, but what the hell? This is how real news gets out there in the community. Uh, they're looking at opening up a bike kitchen slash oven type of uh, uh, facility in uh, South South Los Angeles, South Central Los Angeles. So I don't know if it's That'd central, South Central, yeah. but in Los Angeles, everybody here is just perking up because what is it? That's where you live. He lives in 49th and Fig. James over here is raising his hands like, God be praised. Actually, I was thinking of doing that on 62nd and Norman, uh, 62nd and Vermont. Well, it's funny because there's a need, obviously, that's there. People don't want to go all the way to the bike hub or come all the way into the inner city to the kitchen or Bisa Libre or something. But these are alternatives, and um, that's the fastest 
thing that we're finding. In fact, this was a, a bike dealer that said, hey, I, I want to give something back besides just like bleeding my community. You know, I want to I want to give back to the community. And he was doing this. And we're going to stay in touch with everybody um, to find out if and when he succeeds or when he's going to open it. He was just going, they were doing an exploratory. So that's what, that's one calendar item. Next Thursday, the Streets Blog fundraiser. Absolutely. An- another thing is not necessarily a calendar item, but along the lines of an L.A. Uh, iconic cycling legend, um, Nick, you and I have been talking a long time to come out, and it's been probably three years since we met initially at Blessing of the Bikes, probably about three, four years ago. Um, and I was talking with Jim Cadenhead, who used to host this show before then. Jimmy C. Uh, Jim C., uh, who's, uh, like I said, an L.A. cycling legend. Um, let's put this calendar item out there. Jim, who hosts uh, BMX rides for little kids out there in Santa Barbara, where he moved, recently got into a pretty bad crash. No. Uh, so if you didn't know this, um, they are now accepting donations. Apparently, he didn't have health insurance. There's a website. Uh, you can go to his bike shop blog, and it probably will link you there. Cranky's is his bike shop in Santa Barbara. Uh, there are other ways to find out, but uh, Jim C., uh, he's looking for help right now. He's got a kid. He's got uh, a family up there in Santa Barbara, and this bike accident um, may have taken a toll on his financial. So yeah, uh, he d- could use any donation. So if you didn't know that, log on and go check out what uh, Jim C. is up to in Santa I didn't Barbara. Know that- and I know Jim C is just always uh, kind of looked at for running a bike shop and stuff, but he also did a couple of things. We talk about community. This is just like a, a no brainer. He actually brought the, the Bicycle Film Festival to Santa Barbara because I guess they weren't going to make a, a, a stop in Santa Barbara. It's just like Jim, a little Jim town. Jim C, out he, there. he's one of the co founders of Orange 20. And he, and he had a whole bike day there. And he Before had, that, he worked yeah. at the bike kitchen. Right. right. Um, he, got, he was one of the, the, the first really grassroots Absolutely. hardcore cyclist that I found here in the city that that taught me all about fixed gears riding and city riding and he's just a, a great guy all around and if he needs our support from this community yeah. then I'm more than happy to give a shout out to him at this point in time yeah I didn't know this so. we didn't know this none of us knew this Maybe I don't know when your next show is somebody but, uh, somebody broke to me that he was a ginger too so there's there's another kind of racist comment that I can make there. Yeah. Yes. I think it was last week or the week before. <laughs> I just uh, I saw it's been circulating around the interweb. No, but but seriously, let's uh, we we can do our best to help him out. Um, I don't know the extent. I saw a very short blurb and there's a couple little posts, but it was as a result I, I don't think it was a, a car on bike thing. I think it was no. a, had to do something with his BMX um, camp, kids camp that he runs. So maybe he fell off the side of a mountain. Which is not unheard of in BMX. Well, having said that, um, the last last four minutes of the show, there's this thing called the Olympics that's been happening. Okay. Have you heard about it? Bikes? Yeah. Today, today was the first day, or actually last night at three in the morning. The NBC. Uh, if you don't like NBC's coverage, there's NBC fails. <laughs> you can always log into that. But um, last night at, at two or three in the morning, they actually had the first bit of track pursuit that I saw. There was an Armstrong who from the USA won a gold medal. That's she right. Happens to that, be a woman, not the exactly. Armstrong you probably thought exactly. I would be She'd been doing about. it for four or five times. Yeah. So they're cycling. There's there's also the road cycling uh, that was won by. You know who the winner of the Tour de France this year, Mr. Wiggins, who yes, won again. Right. That, that was the, on Wednesday. The Brits have been doing amazingly well. And there's going to be a BMX and, of course, mountain bike riding My coming My kids up. are looking forward to the BMX. We went I, to the X Games here. Too. They're looking forward to that. I am, too. And I've got to be honest. You can watch this stuff live online. But by the time they get to it in prime time, 
it's not really prime time. It's like the middle of the night. I remember watching all the track stuff. Can you watch it live? The, I love all the mountain bike stuff. Yeah, apparently online you can. Uh, yeah, and then I, I try, I, I'm I sure if you're a prescription, you have a yeah. subscription to this thing with your cable provider, you can, right. you know, pretty much get some of it. But I, I was really amazed that it's the middle middle of the night to, that that you always see these things no, and, yeah. and tragedy has befallen a cyclist even out in london where on the that's same day what that, i was uh, getting to oh yeah i'll let you go ahead no, you, go, your you go ahead with this well, well a uh, an olympic bus driver um i think made a, a left turn or caring a, a reporters right of all things is that what it was yes it was the press the press thing he he was carrying reporters around he hit a cyclist and we're looking at this like it's it's like bus on cyclists the cyclist went under the bus and um i i saw on reddit one of the uh the, the redditors was there in his final moments and it was a very chilling moment yeah. uh that he yeah. recounted oh he died yeah i think on the scene he died the wheel went over his body. yeah crushed the him. wheel went over his body crushed yeah. him and yeah so so happen? so uh, I, I, from the account I read, I, I, I'm sure the bus driver will say that he didn't see the cyclist. I be, uh, just didn't see the cyclist, made the turn, and the cyclist was probably in the wrong place at the wrong time as well. Double-decker bus. I don't know the facts, however. I was doing an interview. Yeah, he was doing an interview. From yeah. It. Yeah. Yeah. But, but so, so that sort of tarnished the gold that the Brits had won that same day. Yeah, uh, the Tour de France winner exactly, won, exactly. and then you had this tragedy happen. So that's yeah. unfortunate. So it and it, and it's like uh, they were they were commenting about how easy it was to get around town and how they had back share. And I remember um, Apollo Ono, who's like their he's I know you would think of him as being in the Winter Olympics. He was doing some sort of like uh, man on the street kind of thing for for this Olympics. He was talking about how you can put a quarter in and travel all over town on a bike. I have not seen another. <laughs> kind of commercial for that since the Olympics started. It was almost like public service announcements along with, you know, they're green and look at this great building they built and it's going to, you know, in a, a blighted section of London. And, I've, and I've heard I, great I things thought, about bike share all yeah. over the world. I, I hope when it comes here to L.A., it's it's thoughtfully done and we have the infrastructure to support it and people use it. And it just it's one of those things that that tips the, the, the scales in favor of making that final push of everybody to get on their bike and see L.A. as a real biking city. Yeah, we, we uh, got to talk to those people at the uh, Ciclavia, and they also came out for the River Ride. Bike Nation, is that what Right, exactly. And they talked also that the first ones are going to be in Anaheim, which we don't think of as a bike-friendly kind of city. But Orange County, apparently, they want to make that push there uh, in, a, in a place uh, almost looking for, for new places to, to sow and, and seeds to to uh, start there, um, it, you know, it might not be the, the heaviest or, or as um, somebody like Michelle Maurer used to say, they're not the, the bike gonzo people that are, that are there. But I, I like to believe we're going to spread the, the bike culture with, um, you know, women, kids. We're getting signals or, from or our main engineer here that it's 12 o'clock. Does that mean it's time I to wrap th- up? I think he is. That means they're shutting down the power here. Yeah, that was a phone call probably. So anyway, um, we want to thank our guests here in the studio today. Yeah, no, thank you for having. Thank us. you, Ross. Thank you, James. Thank you, Alan, and I forgot your name, John. And hopefully, you'll get all safe. This is Bike Talk for Kill Radio and KPFK. Play the music, Nick. I K K L K.